Um, I'm joined today by a great chap in uh, Cambridgeshire um, called Tony Fagelman, who is a trampolinist. How are you today, Tony? I'm good, thank you, Martin. Thank you for having me on your your chat. No, it's all, it's very interesting. I I actually started it because I'm I play badminton actually. And I started interviewing Babin players, and what you realise over time, I've interviewed about 150 players now, from, and it just grows, right? Um, but what, I've, what I'm very aware of that is that people that do sport do other sport. You know, to think that you have a channel all about badminton and say, no, I can't talk to you on Saturday, I'm playing golf, or I'm going for a run, or I'm going for a swim. Or, do you, are, are, you just, are you just into trampoline, or do you do other sports as well? Um, I played um, golf, golf badly. And I used to play football. I play cricket. Well, I say I play cricket. I haven't played for a few years. I found all my cricket gear yesterday. I love cricket. I am also a cricket coach as well. I am also a cricket coach as well as a trampoline. Yeah, yeah. I used to run the local cricket. I used to run the local youth team. Cricket, the youth team. But yeah, my I did that when I moved down to Cambridge after getting a job down here from my hometown of Leeds. And um, I, I wasn't trampolining at the time, so I, I, I took my cricket to the next step and did uh, did my coaching qualifications in cricket and, uh, and did that. But uh, I don't do it anymore. But yeah, I still love the game. Uh, don't talk to us about the, the, the Ashes. It's uh, very disappointing. It's a painful subject. Do you, uh, yeah. How did you end up in trampoline? Uh, so I was nine years old. And my local sports club, youth club, uh, was having um, a summer um, festival of sport. And the idea was you'd go along and you'd try all these different sports. And um, so I went along with my brother, one year older than me, 18 months older than me. And the first thing I went on was the trampoline. It was first where the gap was. Uh, they bought these two trampolines and uh, I got on. And the uh, the guy coaching said, oh, what can you do? That's never been on before. Mm. So I said, oh, try this, did that, try another. And I somersaulted in the fir- my first ever go. And he said... At nine. Oh. Yeah, and he said, okay, you can stay. And then I didn't do any other sport. I stayed mm. for the entire two weeks trampolining. And um, and then I got my parents got a phone call saying, uh, would Tony like to be in the show when we restart in September and join the classes that we're going to be having? This is still in Leeds, said, right? This was in Leeds, yeah. And I said, absolutely. And uh, yeah, and then at 10, I entered my first competition, which I won. And then that was it. That was the bug. And winning and competitions. Did, and... Without, how, what... How do, how is it judged? How do you judge? How do you judge? I don't know. So, I'm, excuse my my ignorance. How do you judge trampoline? Yeah. So it's changed over time. So the way that um, it's judged now. So the Olympics just held. Uh, you'll have form judges who will judge on how a, a skill looks. Um, you'll have so okay. Let's break down. So there are ten skills in a routine. You have to perform those route, those ten skills. Um, at the highest level, uh, you have to do a number of set skills and then a number of chosen skills. And then you do another set of routine, another routine where it's completely chosen by you. Um, the set skills are used to effectively create a semi-final and then a semi-final to a final. Uh, and in the semi-final and final, you do your voluntary, your, your chosen skills. 
Uh, there are you're marked on difficulty, so the, how how difficult a skill is, and there was ten of them you have to do. You're marked on travel around the bed, and that's a computer system that marks that. Wow. You're marked on height, and again, that's a computer system that works out how high you bounce. And then you're marked on form, so how how it looks. So Bryony Page, who is the Olympic bronze medalist in 2021 and was the Olympic silver medalist in Rio, has just become the world champion um, last month. Um, so she's a British girl um, and um, she will she's scoring things like uh, nines, approximately nines for her set routine and then have scores in the from four on form and then scores probably 8.5 to 9 on form in her voluntary routine, plus her direct, uh, her difficulty, plus the time of flight and her movement around the trampoline. So it's, it's quite complex. Yeah. It's, got, um, sounds, sounds, it's a little bit like diving then? Yes, very much so. But they only do one skill. Of course. Ten, ten, different, ten different dives, but one skill. We'll do ten skills three times. And what, when you first started, what, what was the first thing that you learned as a guy, as a nine-year-old? Um, what did what did the chap say? Just jump on and so the, well, the jump first skill you learn, the first skill you always learn is just to sit down on your bum. That's seat landing. Is it? Is it? Sit down, come back up again. Um, it's nice and safe, not difficult. Um, then you learn to bounce, see how high you can go. Really? Yeah. Um, okay. If you've if you've got the technique, you'll start to get up a meter, two meters. So um, the top guys are bouncing at about nine meters. And um, my peak, when the trampolines are nowhere near as good as they are now, my peak, I probably bounced about seven, seven and a half meters. So about the height, height of a house. Yeah, well, almost almost was the, was the seven and a half meter board. And I did a little bit of diving. I went to a, I went to a season. My, my son was learning to swim at the Commie Pool in Edinburgh and they have a high dive board. And I, I decided that was, when he was getting his lessons, I was going to take to diving lessons. And it was, uh, yeah, it was that. Was, so I'm thinking about that seven and a half meter board. So there's a 10, which was too high, seven and a half. I could just manage. Um, but yeah, yeah, that's pretty. Uh, and what I, can, what I could never get my head around, Tony, was they said what was the expression they used to point it well as you spin as you spin this is what amazed me is as you spin you said right okay when you see the edge of the pool then you open out right you shoot yeah. out when you see that now i'm thinking now my eyes are all over <laughs> i can't see a thing and i guess diving's the jump uh trampolining is the same right well, so vision is key that's, that's one of my my is mantras it? vision is key if you don't see where you are, you don't know when you're going to have to do something. So if you're doing a triple somersault with twist, you need to know where you are and when to do that twist. So the most difficult move probably done in competition at the moment is a half twist in to a triple somersault with a one and a half twist out. Okay, so you've got to set up, and the way it's done is you set up backward rotation Okay. Put a half twist in, so you end up then doing triple front, triple forwards, and then you do a one and a half twist out. So is it always about pointing forwards? Is it no, always about... no we, we go backwards, but it's because you're creating a, a backward rotation when you first set that off. I see. But you put a half twist in, so it becomes a forward rotating skill, but you've set it off backwards. 
is it a prerequisite to have very good vision then do you think vision spatial awareness is the key spatial awareness yeah, I was gonna you say need that, to yeah. know where you are in the air is your vision very and good do you wear glasses if, if you yeah you a, a top trampolinist will see where they are and they will work out their but they will know in their body where they are so there's a thing called globalization and globalization is where the move isn't broken up into its sections but everything happens as one and if you talk to some of the top guys and you say how do you how do you do that skill and is it globalized or is it in part they'll, they'll all tell you it's globalized it's one skill they'll take off they'll know what they're doing and it'll just happen and that works 90 percent of the time the 10 percent of the time where it goes wrong you need to see it. You need to know where you are. You need to be able to get out of it. Yeah. Um, so you can recover and move on to the next skill. Because part of the problem with trampolining, part of the skill of trampolining, part of the, the danger in trampolining, is that you're doing these 10 skills, not just the one skill. Yeah. So if you go slightly wrong on one, and you've moved it sideways, or you've moved it back behind the, um, the, the center line, the trampoline is going to react differently. It's going to throw you yeah. in a different way. And you so have to react. You know, you know when you make that. a plan of what you're going to do, is that in these set pieces, is there a certain movement area as well where you're meant to be within the within the, oh, yeah. the bed? Yeah, so if you looked at a trampoline, it's marked up into sections. Didn't so there's okay. a centre cross, there's a box around the centre cross, and then there's a further set of red lines. And if you move in different sections, you have different... Uh, your your scoring for travel is higher. You have more deductions, and the idea is you have you want to have zero deductions. You stay in the centre. But the main reason you, we do that and we want that as a trampolinist is the trampoline is most efficient when you bounce in the middle. Wow! So if you've seen when you've your kids have bounced on the the, the garden trampolines, and you've got one bouncing on one end and one bouncing on another, and one bounces in the middle, and they're all bouncing all over the place. It's because the way the trampoline reacts, depending on what force they're putting on it in different areas. If you've got one person bouncing on it, then the force should be directed, most directed, through the center point, physics. If you're bouncing towards one of the ends, the physics tells you that actually I'm going to throw you back to the center, yeah. or as best I can, but depending on how you've hit it. Wow. But actually, you overcook it. And you end up going far too far the other way, or you were going sideways. So there's a whole thing around spatial awareness and what what you do when you land on that trampoline, especially when you're coming down from eight, nine meters. Yeah. And so how do they is there is there a camera looking down at those lines and boxes to make sure where you land, or is it from underneath? Is it in the bed itself? No. So so there are different ways of measuring it using technology. So you're right, there's a camera coming down. It measures it's on a pole it sits there and it measures where and you you calibrate it so it comes down on an angle so it's calibrated right. um and that will measure travel that will measure the movement away from the center line uh, and then a, a time of flight machine um there are a couple we've just got ours in my club uh, which sit on the bed and it measures when you hit the bed and when you go up. So it only measures the period in, in flight. It doesn't measure the period that the trampoline goes down and comes back up again. Um, there are other ones that do that where they sit on the floor 
as well, but it's a similar thing. So it's, that's technology, that's the technology giving you that information. Um, and then, as I say, you've got um, a, a judge will look at the skill and they will say, um, they, you've done a double somersault with two and a half twists, that's worth this difficulty mark. Oh, and you did it in this shape. So that's got another, another difficulty mark. And then another judge will look at it and say, and you had your, your knees were brought into your chest, you were nicely in a small ball, you kicked out at the right time to give it a perfectly straight coming down. Um, you had your arms by your side, your head was in line, your fingers were pointed and all the rest of it that gives it aesthetic skill. Um, so that, this, this mixture of objectivity and subjectivity came out when we became an Olympic sport in 2000, because they said, we don't like it being just subject, subjectivity. Measure. We, need, we need to have something there that we can measure. So all these things have become measurable now. Um, and that's great because it means then that anyone can recognize the difficulty because we can see it. We can see how high you bounce, that's a score. We can see how badly you move around or don't because that's a score. And then just as that little bit of subjectivity still where the, a judge will say, I like that or I don't like that. And they'll give it a mark out of, out of one. And, and then when there were you, from, from it, when you were nine, from from growing up and getting into the sport, when did you, you know, when did you really? I mean, it was just a hobby at first, I guess, and you just you, you just loved it. Or you, did, have you continued? Or I see, I see from the website actually, is it Kangaroos? Is that the name of your club? Yeah, uh, Kangaroos is the name of my club. Yeah. So you've 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 been in can in uh, Kangaroos. You've been in um, trampolining for fifty years. Fifty years, yeah, fifty years, wow. fifty-one years now, yeah. And then when yeah. it did, have you had a break in your life? I had a short break when we moved down to Cambridge from Leeds because I couldn't find a trampoline club to join or I did, there was nothing there. Really? So I had about three years out where, as I say, I got into the cricket. I see. Um, is, that, is that why you got, you literally, because you couldn't find trampolining? Yeah, absolutely. Well, couldn't find a trampoline. There was no trampolines to be had around that I could, I could even start anything. So um, cricket was my other passion and I got into the cricket, but... Uh, and then the local school got a trampoline and I said, do you want me to come along and, and coach? And they said, oh, yes, please. Wow. Um, so I set, up, I set up some recreational classes with the local school and grew from there. But uh, yeah, it's, um, I, I mean, when I was in Leeds, so I started, as I say, at nine. My coach, I, re I reached the British youth team when I was 17. Wow. Um, and then my coach retired when I was 18. And the now, club at that point... Can I ask Tony, how is the next, how is the network of trampolinists? How is that, you know, from being in Leeds and being 11, how do you get noticed to becoming, do you travel to local competitions, to competitions around the country? Or... Yeah, so you have, so you have regional competitions, then you have national competitions. So the higher up the echelon you, you compete in, the more you are seen by the, the, the powers that be, if you like. So you start off regionally, as you get better, you move into national competition. And it's, that's been the same since I was, you know, a youngster. Um, obviously, when I was doing it, there were less people doing the sport. So it was easier, in a way, to move up. Um, but to actually, when I'm the same, my age, when I hit um, 14, 15 and was competing at the national level, 
uh, the UK, Britain had the, it would go on to be the world champion in 1980 and then another one in 1982, wow. men's, same age as me. Wow. So I was never, ever going to be more than third in the country because these two guys uh, who are from Harlow, actually just up the road from where, down the road from where I live now. Um, but uh, yeah, those two guys were just awesome. Um, so there was about three or four of us then who used to bid for third, fourth, fifth, sixth, seventh. <laughs> and, how <laughs> we your, always and how were your facilities like compared to Harlow when you went to, you know, when you were obviously doing... They had a lot you know, better. Today. Yeah, I mean, it was still they were still sports center based, but they could leave their trampolines up all the time. They could go in virtually when they wanted. Yeah. Um, whereas, you know, I was I I remember vividly. Um, I would do three nights a week a week at my youth club, and then I would do uh, two nights a week. I'd go and train with the university team, university club, because they had the best equipment. And then I had one night a week. Uh, or one yeah one night a week at my um at the leeds athletic institute which was a famous uh athletics uh, gymnastics place and they had the trampoline there and it was my coach who used to go and do all these other areas and he would drag me along and say right you need more hours and so to get my hours up i would spend hours on the bus every night doing my homework uh traveling from school just to just to go and train so i would be training probably in those days 14 16 hours a week but wow. mostly and spending a lot of hours tra traveling as well <laughs> is that does that is that a, is that a critical thing in trampolining is it hours on the on the bed is that the thing is that no. a measure? is that a measure what's that no i mean years ago again when i was doing it we would probably do 80 90 percent of our training on bed now um in 20 2008 the british didn't get any qualifiers for the olympics and we brought in some new people and they they looked at the way that training was done in in great britain and they said you're wrong in the way you're doing it you were, you were doing 80 percent on bed 20 percent off bed and they swapped it and now our top people do 40 percent on bed 60 percent off bed training so what is that so gymnastic kind of flexibility, gymnastic kind flexibility, of conditioning, strength, stamina, um, mental training, a lot of mental training. Trampolining is, that, is a very mental sport. Is it? Very mental sport. Um, it's a, it, trampolining itself, to get on a trampoline and learn to do something is very easy. Most people can do it. Most people can learn to somersault. To somersault, put those skills together into a routine comprehensively make it look good and not go wrong with the fear if you think you're coming in from even when you're you're a junior bouncer you're coming in from two meters high and you're coming in and you're upside down and you're coming in on your head yeah. that's massive fear so you've got to get overcome you overcome that you know that that's what makes a trampoline is someone who is not fearless but recognizes the fear and uses it 
Um, you got to have a lot of confidence, here. as you say. It's the confidence, isn't it? And confidence and self belief that you can do it. If if you allow that doubt to enter your head, then that can have a absolutely, huge effect. absolutely. So I mean, one of the things that I've I suffered from it uh, is a thing called what they now call performance blocks, which is called in trampoline lost move syndrome, um, which is where you start off going for a, a skill and you go wrong and you do something else. So I would set off for a twisting skill and I would stop the twist and I would turn it into a somersault. So I would set off for a double somersault with a twist yeah. and end up doing a triple somersault. And that is scary because you don't know where you are. You, your brain has just said, I don't like what you're doing. I'm going to do this instead. Really? Mm-hmm. Um, and that's, uh, it's not common, common, but it happens quite a bit in trampolining because again, it's all a mental skill. This is one of the reasons why I did my sports psychology masters just recently because, uh, and that's what I did my, my um, research into because it's such an interesting area. And so many people our seniors suffer from it. Uh, Bryony, who I was mentioning earlier, um, she suffered from it as a teenager, uh, badly lost every skill. Um, and, it's because not because you're fearless, not because you haven't got the ability. It's something goes wrong. Yeah. Um, my research was all about: is it trauma related? Is something causing that? Something that tr- is a trigger, and then builds from there. And that trigger could be in inside the sport, um, or it could have been outside the sport. It could be a family trigger. It could be a something happening in is, school. Is it, or is it something that they would call? I suppose. I've got a friend who's a darts player, exceptional darts player. Dartitis. Um, yeah, he's got dartitis. He can't. He um, he's can't release the dart. He can't release the dart. The last, only the last dart. And he literally, my friend actually plays with him um, in a local league, and he said he, he literally steps with the dart. <laughs> he's yeah. he literally he's throwing the dart, and he can't let go of it. He's literally can't let go. And the yips, I would say the yips, golf. is it? Yips, yes. yips well. in golf and snooker. Dartitis in in darts. Um, in tennis, they have it where they can't release the ball when they throw the ball up for serve. And in baseball, they can't release the ball. In football, they have it when they're approaching a dead ball. So if they're going for a penalty or they're going for a free kick or corner or whatever. Um, so it, it it occurs in lots of sports, mostly the obviously individual sports because that's where it's most relevant. But you do see it in those those team games like baseball, like football, where it's specific to certain parts of the game. Uh, yes, it's the same idea, this thing called performance blocks, driven by the same sort of psychological issues, but manifesting differently. Is that why you did but the degree, with, Tony? Is that why you did the degree of yeah, curiosity, interest so. in this? That's fascinating, yeah. Yeah, very much so. It's, absolute fascination wanting to improve what i give my kids yeah um but also i'm um i'm a tutor so i teach people to become trampoline coaches um and um there i think people need to be informed they need to understand it's not just the technical how do i do this um it's this is this happens because of this this is why we do these things you know, I have a lot of people you, nowadays trampolining. So trampolining is the, one of the biggest participation sports in the UK, in the world, because of garden trampolines. 
Yeah, well, the problem with garden trampolines is that everybody thinks that they can do trampolining. As I said, it's an easy sport to do. So they'll go around, they'll throw themselves over and do all sorts of stuff. You've seen it on Fail Army on Facebook or whatever, you know, where people are throwing themselves off trampolines and everyone winces. Um, but the problem is you'll get the kids throwing themselves around and then they'll come to, they decide they want to do a bit more. They want to learn a bit more. And they'll come to the, a, an organized club and we will take them right back to basics and we'll, they'll, they'll get bored. They'll go, why? I, want, I can already do a double somersault. And I said, yeah, you can already do a double somersault. I said, A, it looks horrible. B, if you want to compete, you can't do anything off it. So you've got to relearn it so that you can do it safely to do the next skill because we do 10 skills. And they go, oh, okay. And then some of them will like it and some of them will be, no, 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 no. It's not that. Much, can I ask you a question about the degree? Um, I'm quite interested sure. in I'm quite interested in um, coaching and provenance in coaching and and, and how much um, there's 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 a few coaches. There's obviously a lot of coaches in badminton, like every sport, I suppose. Um, and I'm interested in how how um, students learn how much they need provenance from a coach how much they need how much they need the coach that they're teaching them to have achieved in their own personal career and i just i was interested there about the psychology side of things um you know when you say to a student you've done a degree in it just even the confidence in that is good enough you know some when you say something to somebody and you've done a degree in sports psychology then i would guess even that is a is a kind of a, a confidence a kind of a breath of you know kind of you could can say well he, he knows about it he knows all about yeah, the stresses think, and pressures I, I think you're right to a degree i think i think it's really interesting when you talk to or you see the the top athletes um so emma radanku's just changed her coach or just got a coach um and um andy murray's just changed his coach again um you know, why are they changing coaches? Why, why do they want new coaches? They want different ways of understanding what they're doing. Generally, they have now got to the point, certainly in someone like Andy Murray's case, where there is nothing new a coach is going to bring to that, their, their skill set. It isn't going to happen. What they're going to do is give another way of thinking about it. They're going to give it, they'll use different words to describe something they already know. And that is the bit that they gain from their coaches when you are learning at the start of your sporting career whether it's badminton football trampolining doesn't matter you need the technical input to actually learn the skills whatever that is serving bouncing kicking a football doesn't matter you need to know the technical skills once you've mastered those technical skills what are you doing what is a coach doing for you the coach is giving you confidence, is giving you motivation, is giving you belief, giving you support, is your friend, your trust, trusted ally, there to give you the right things, the right knowledge back, the right information, but also to pull you up and say, no, you've got to change this, you've got to do that. That's what the coach does. When they're at the top, they're not giving them more technical information. They're not changing anything. Because it's really difficult to change that. I mean, you hear of golfers who change their swing. Mm -hmm. um, you know, yeah, they're top right. professionals and, and they go off and then and they're told, you know, change the swing. If you get the yips, you, they change it. They, yeah. 
they change their swing. They have to do it in a different way. Otherwise, the, the yip will come. So they, they learn a new neural pathway to create that, to get around it. And do you feel then that as a coach yourself, that people that, you know, that, uh, there's, a, there's a chap in Scotland who interviewed a chap called Andy Cook, who's a badminton coach. And at 21, he's, he's in his late 60s, actually. And his late in his early twenties, he realised he was he was never going to be a great player, but he could be a good coach. And he started he started coaching somebody an exceptional talent in in Scotland, and and they they started to get results. And then somebody else came and said, "Okay, I will go to Andy Cook." And then they started coaching him, and 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 so it went on. And he's he developed all these Scottish national players, um, but he was never a player himself. And you know, but then I interviewed an, uh, another player who. Um, guy called Martin Campbell who played for Scotland, double player for Scotland, who was coached by a chap called Kenny Middlemas. And he says, I said, so what motivated you to, you know, to, to do well? He says, to be honest, he says, whenever I went coaching, we I got my coaching session, but I would play against Kenny Middlemas, who was who had achieved as the top of where I wanted to get to. I wanted to get to that. And I played against him and then eventually i beat him which is inevitable you know because somebody's younger but playing their coach and then you know that so that's what interests me is when once somebody's beat them do then they, do they then need to go on to somebody else who who they can't beat, and then and so and so it goes on i just you know so it's, it's just an interesting subject in my mind you know that i think from a coaching point of view so i think why people like coaches who have achieved is because they understand the competition they understand the competition mentality they understand what it takes to reach that level that doesn't mean you have to have been at that level to still be a great coach i think it gives you an empathy that you haven't got if you haven't been a competitor so i i bring that when i coach my my gymnasts go well you you know what it's like so i'll listen to you Whereas if they go to one of my other coaches who hasn't been as successful in competition, they will listen to them. And when they talk about competition, may not quite go, yeah, you don't really know, know what you're talking about. I'll go talk to Tony. That's <laughs> <laughs> yeah, um, interesting, yeah. So that does happen. But that doesn't take anything away from the other coaches. They have got the technical knowledge, the technical skills to coach the skills that they're qualified to coach to. So, so my level of coach is high performance. I mean, I can coach any level. So I can coach right up to Olympics doing triple somersaults and multiple twists. Um, in my club, I'm the only HPC coach. So I've got a, a that's high performance coach. I've got a performance coach who can coach a little bit lower than me. And then I've got um, four coaches who are the one level below that. So we go quite a good spread and we go all the way down to the bottom where I've got junior coaches, assistant coaches all the way up and all the way through. So we start at assistant coach and then we go level one, level two, level three, level four, level five, and I'm level five. Nice. That's good. And we've got 20 infrastructure to bring people through. Yeah. Absolutely, exactly. And that's what it is. We, we bring them through. I nurture them through. Um, I've got one coach who started, her, her daughter was one of our very first gymnasts. I, in fact, I started the club for her because she was only three and we couldn't get insurance to, to, to 
for her to bounce at the um, the club sessions where I was doing it, the recreational sessions where I was doing it at the sports centre. So because I started the club and I got insurance to British Gymnastics as a British Gymnastics club, she could bounce. So we started the club for her daughter. She's now, the mum, is now one of my senior coaches. She's gone and done her coaching awards and so on and so on and so on. She'd never had any trampoline experience whatsoever and had never competed, had never done anything. In fact, getting her to do a somersault is always fun. Whereas I can still, at 60, I can still get on and I can still double somersault. How do you feel so, about living kind of, I, I spoke to somebody about um, coaching, excuse me, my dog's making all the noise, shut up, Teddy. Um, kind of, um, I was chatting to a, a runner uh, last week, uh, a triathlon runner, and he was talking about his grandfather who taught him to run and compete. And he was, he was basically said he ran kind of vicariously through him. He says, my dad wasn't a very good runner, but he knew I could run. And he knew I could run. And he, he says, effect, effectively, he was giving me a training program that he would have done himself. And he literally run kind of, like I said, vicariously through him. Do you think that happens much in, 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 in coaching? Yeah. yeah. I think the vicarious activities is, is rife as a coach. If you didn't compete to a level, you want to get your, your gymnast to that level. And there are lots of parent child coaching, um, sort of couples going on. Yeah. Yeah. Um, one of my other senior coaches, um, they are very much a, um, uh, uh, they, they have a, uh, their son, he became our top gymnast. Um, he's gone to university now, but he was doing triple somersaults, but I had to coach him because the, the mum uh, couldn't coach that level. But she's one of our, my top coaches, but she just wasn't qualified to coach that level. Yeah. And she got him to a certain level, and then she said, I can't take him any further. Yeah. I need I, I need you to coach him. And I went, okay. It's the old um, story, isn't it? Coaching your kids. Never going to be great, is it either? To be honest, it's now well, you, uh, also yeah, have, you, have you got kids, Tony? Do you have kids and do they try? I have got, I've got three, yeah. All three of mine have trampolines, really. Mm -hmm. Um, my eldest, she she was competent, she became and she became a level two coach, um, but never really competed. My son did well, he got to national level, mm -hmm. um, and he coached when he went to university, he coached at the, at the university club. Um, in fact, he went to Leeds, which was quite funny. He was my old, my old town. He was coaching there. My youngest, unfortunately, she's she's um, handicapped. She's she's deaf. So um, balance was always a, an issue for yes. someone who's deaf. Um, which I have to say, Rose proved <laughs> is completely yeah, uh, amazing I know, um, for sure. My my cousin's um, deaf. He's in Australia. He just had the cochlear thing fitted just last year. Yeah. Actually, yeah, it's amazing. Yeah, yeah she can't. She, she wasn't able to use it they tried it but she wasn't able to use it oh, really? but she um but because she was deaf she's profoundly deaf in one ear um she has hearing in the other oh good yeah. but, so her balance is is off yes, yes um but she she did learn to somersault um and um her specialist um was amazed at her the quality of her balance because she did gymnastics as well um, and because she learned it from a very early age, you know, all my kids started when they were like, well, as soon as they could walk, I had mum trampoline or they were doing gymnastics or something. Um, so she learned it from very, so she learned to cope. She learned to understand how to use her body with her disability 
um and and that's great you know so is, is balance is bad sorry totally off topic is balance badly affected by by is the death balance of a bad i, mean, I have a thing I've, I've i have labyrinthitis personally um and i've had it since about february and my balance is massively affected is, is that a long-term effect of deafness um the, the, so middle, I had the middle ear thing i yeah. had labyrinthitis a few years ago um i had it for about eight weeks and i couldn't i couldn't Terrible. when i got on a trampoline it was where i was way over i just kept i literally was tilting off to side i yes. couldn't work it out yes um so yes balance is a major thing so if i and I, I looked into this when I got labyrinthitis. So you know the, the reason why labyrinthitis occurs is you it's the fluid level in your ear. The canal, yeah. And it and it and it and the, yeah, in the ear canal. And it, and it changes and it it, it moves and it, mm. it's not in where it should be, which is yeah. why you're not getting that that balance level. Um so absolutely it makes a difference. And and for deaf people, um, so my daughter uh born profoundly deaf in her right ear, um we discovered the reason for it when she had meningitis. She got meningitis. Really? And um, she got it, she recovered, and then she got it again four weeks later. And so they they did some, uh, did an MRI, and they found that she had a hole in the stapes bone, um, which was allowing fluid, uh, brain fluid to come through, and that's what the meningitis was caused by. Wow. Um, so they did an operation to remove the, the, the affected parts Then she got meningitis again from the operation, um, she made all the news. She was, she was, she was in the national news. <laughs> oh my goodness. Uh, she was only seven at this time, oh, but what they did is they took out everything. When they did the operation, they took everything out of the ear, right. but they did what they call an obliteration. Well, that sounds, that um, sounds, I don't know what it is, but it sounds very serious. Yeah, well, the idea is, is once you've done it, you've got, you'll never have any hearing. You no. can't do anything about it. So, um, so they took everything out and then seal it. But of course, now they've taken everything out. She's got nothing to create balance on her right side. Yeah, I see. She's totally left-sided. Yeah. So she learned to have to learn again to her, her balance. Yeah, it's absolutely, it's absolutely incredible. And, uh, and when did you, so when you, when you stop, what, at what time did you stop kind of competing and, and take to coaching right. or, or did you, did you when, how long did you, you know, going up 16, 17, getting to that level, when did you, how long did you go on? So, for? yeah, so I started coaching, I was coaching the club from about the age of 13, 14. Uh, but when my coach retired so when at 18, you were still competing, had, when you were still I was competing. still competing. Right. Yeah. So when my coach retired at 18, I had to take on then running right. the club. Wow. So I was still competing and running the club at the same time. Was it a big club? Was there many people? We had about 400 people. Yeah. Wow. Um, so I had other, there were other coaches, but none, but I was the most qualified at that point. Wow. I was, uh, well, um, would you say other people like parents or that kind of thing? Were they all about parents and other gymnasts, other coach, other right. gymnasts like me, and some, a couple of older, sometimes younger. Uh, and we ran, we just ran the club. And then I, I kept competing. I was competing at national level um, until. I, I was 24 and my performance block had, had come in when I was about 22. I tried to get over it for about two years. And finally, I just said at 24, I, I, I won uh, a national competition that year, which qualified me to the national finals, the British finals. Yeah. And I went, 
I'm going to go out on a high. I'm just, wow. I'm just stopped competing at that point. I thought I'm wow. never going to get higher than winning this. Wow. And I just went, that's it. I'm retiring now from competition. So I retired at 24. And is there a senior level? Is it? I mean, I always say, I mean, I think that's quite common, by the way, in all sports, you know, where people have been professionals or they've got to the bit where also that was an, that's another question. Was it is it a thing to become a professional trampolinist? Is that, you know, now, when, when you were now, at school, 16, 17, what was your path? What did you think? I don't know what I'm going to do at school. I just want a trampoline. Or what was that like? Um, to a degree, yes. But I'm also, I was also, I was quite academic. Were you? Um, so I did well at school. So I wanted to go to university. Um, I wanted, in fact, I was going to go to Newcastle University. Uh, they just started their sports science degree. And I was going to be the very first year, no, second year, I was going to be the second year ever of their sports science degree. And they offered, they offered me a place and they said, they said to me, I'm going back now, Howard. they offered me two Ds to get into sport, to do sports science at Newcastle University. And Newcastle had one of the, the sports, one um, of the centres of excellence there. And um, I thought, that's it. That's what I want to do. That's what I'm going to train there for three years, just, you know, really go for it. Um, and then come out with a sports science degree. That didn't really matter to me. I was just going to train for three years. Mm -hmm. um, and then I messed up my A-levels. So <laughs> I didn't never really. Yeah. And um, so I was, I had a backup plan to go to Carnegie College in, in Leeds, which was the top sports, uh, sports teachers college, you know, PE teachers college. Yes. And I had, um, I went there for one day turned up on the first day for registration and went, I don't want to be a teacher. <laughs> okay. Walk now. <laughs> what, are we like? what are we like as kids, honestly? And when you went to Newcastle, did you go and... I was always quite interested in this. Loughborough is a very particular one for badminton. Um, Newcastle, was that a big... Was trampolining a thing then? And how much, was... Yeah, how much, yeah, how much was that a focus on on your thinking about going to university, about what the trampolining was like, where you went? Yeah. Did you know? Did you already look or what? Well, yeah, so trampolining, so Newcastle had a centre of excellence. So it was, it was there were two centres of excellences in the country, one in London, one in Newcastle. For trampoline so specific? For trampoline, trampoline, yeah, oh, trampolining. I see, yeah. I see, okay, thank you. So that was a major, major reason to go there. Um, I did apply to Loughborough. I remember going to the day, I remember going to the uh, interview day, I've got an interview. And um, they, <laughs> uh, I did all the sports. There was there was probably about forty people trying out, and uh, we went through. And I was an all rounder. I could do and I could do any sport. You give me anything, I could do it. Yeah. And I came third out of those forty odd people in in the overall testing. So fitness, agility, strength, everything. And I came third overall. Um, and there, so I thought, oh, I'm a shoe in here. Went into yeah. the interview and I was planning to do a, a combined uh, history and PE course, history and sports course. And um, so I had my um, history interview. I went fine. Went in for my interview for my sports. And there was two guys there and they said, Are there any, we had an interview and they said, any, any sports you don't like? And I stupidly said, "Yeah, I don't like I don't like football and rugby, even though I used to play them." And they said, "And they said, why not?" I said, oh, "I'm just not. I don't, I don't like team sports other than cricket." 
And it turned out that they were the sport and football and rugby coach. And I didn't get offered a space. <laughs> you sound like me as a child, kind of willful. <laughs> I don't want to do that. I want to do that. I don't want to do that. I want to do that. Yeah. Oh, dear. Yeah. Yeah. I was one of those kids. You know, I was one of those kids who you, you, who could turn their hand to most things. Yeah. Um, I was one of them. All, all, I, all I really liked was sport. And I, I kind of, I was either going to go all sport or going to go wild. And in my latter years of school, I went wild and just went, ended up working on the caravan site and, you know, going <laughs> and drink, drinking. And that was the end of that. And then it was over. And then before you know, I'm selling photocopies about four years later. And that, that was my, my history. Yeah, selling printers. But, and, but you talk yeah. about badminton. So badminton was my brother's sport. Is it? I'd never played it. Never played it. And uh, he challenged me to a game at his badminton club. I went, yeah, all right. So I picked up a badminton racket. And I used to play tennis. I was I was a reasonably good Weird. tennis player. Yeah. And uh, so I picked up the badminton racket and he lobbed a few shuttlecocks down and I walloped them back. And then he said, right, we're going to play. And after I'd beaten him 4-0, he said, you're never coming to my club again. <laughs> That's the end of that. That's the end of that. Yeah. It's great. I suppose so, in badminton, actually, there's a there's a there's a girl in Scotland, Kirsty Gilmore in Scotland, is an exceptional player, but it's probably the kind of the most recognised talent, lady singles player in Scotland. She was a gymnast, um, so her dexterity and flexibility is absolutely incredible. Um, so, and it's it, it is that if you watch, you know, if you watch somebody play badminton at the top level, their movement, the splits, the yeah. rolling. And also, you watch what she's. Her vision will be really good, yeah. so she'll she'll know where she is on the court That's because of her spatial, spatial awareness. awareness. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she'll have excellent vision of seeing the shuttlecock and predicting where it's going to go. It's, it's, Again, it's, all because she's a gymnast. Yeah, no, I think the, so the gymnast. That, as a child, younger, she was she was certainly into gym, into um, yeah, into gymnasium, and it's uh, yeah, it's um. And do you like do you, do you, do you still you golf now as well? You said in other sports, well, do, you, do you run, sport. do you swim, or anything like that? Do you do anything I don't else? run. Um, I don't run. I don't really swim. My son's a big swimmer. He loves swimming. Me too. Um, I like I like to throw myself off a diving board, but I tend to over I tend to overcook it off a diving board. Uh, and I'll push myself too far away. Trampolining, we we always try and land back on the spot. You do that on a diving board, and you end up Greg Lagana style bashing your head. Yeah. Um, it's so hard diving. Thing. When I did diving, it's so hard to come down and land. It's it's hard. I mean, it's a hard surface to land on, isn't it? When they blow the bubbles, and everybody always says, "Why did they blow the bubbles from the bottom of the pool?" And it's the softener landing, isn't it? It is. Yeah. It is. Yeah. I remember the first time I um, I went off a ten meter. And we used to just, we could, in Leeds, we had an international pool. So we had a nice. the, the one meter, two and a half, five, uh, three, uh, two and a half, five, seven and a half, and, and ten. ten. And we used to dare ourselves to go up and do things. And we would all do somersaults off the five meter, no problem at all. And we'd swallow dive off the seven meter, seven and a half meter. So we got up to the ten meter board. I'm on top of the ten meter board. And of course, you're looking down. Mm. We didn't have bubbles, it was just a normal session. So the water was, if it was clear, you were looking down another five meters down from the water. So you're looking down 15 meters. I see, yeah. The depth of the water you're talking about, yeah. Yeah. Yes, that's right. I'm thinking, you know that's what? a long you know way. What? I totally forget about that. You're right. Do you know? Yeah. Totally so that, I'm thinking, looking down, that's a long way down. Yes. <laughs> I know. 
And it took me, it took me half an hour the first time I went off the board. I would kept going, go, go, no, 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 no. no. And then I kept doing that. And eventually I went. I, I wasn't jumping. I had to dive. And you know you're supposed to go in and you're supposed to lock your fingers and lock your hands. That's right, yeah. And my hands split. split. My hands split. And so I smacked my head on the water. And I came up with this massive red, red mark on my water. On my head and everyone and i was like yeah i did it and everyone's just laughing at this big red mark i think the reason why they say that is actually about dislocating your shoulders because your arms flash back so fast yeah that's what they yeah. talk about well right. i didn't i managed to hold them there because i've got did strong you? Yeah, big shoulders, shoulders. But, yeah, yeah 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 but um yeah that's the trampolining shoulders they are and who's your best what's your proudest moment do you think in trampoline what do you think it's like as a coach i suppose what do you think what do you think of that as a coach do you have somebody yeah, um, yeah so as a coach um when my lad won the under 16 british championships wow yeah wow um that was great what age um, was he he, he was 16. He was, he was he was 15 when he won it, it was, yeah wow wow yeah um, so that was that was superb um as a gymnast myself winning that competition as i said when i was 24, 24. um i'm going although probably being selected for the British squad has probably pipped it. Yeah, but being selected for Britain, but I never competed for Britain. I was selected. Um, I was selected as a reserve for the Britain, Germany, Britain, Germany, uh, France, I think it was Britain, Germany, France match. And I thought, oh, I'm going to travel. Yeah, yeah, go and travel in the tracksuit and everything. And they said, and they said, uh, yeah. and they said, um, no, the match is at home. It's in Harlow, which I used to go and train at. <laughs> and uh, and you don't get your tracksuit um, until you're there, and you're reserved, so you'll only sit in it. And if you're selected, you'll be able to keep it. If you if you compete, you'll be able to keep it. Otherwise, we take it back off you. I'm going back to the seventies here. We'll take it back off you if uh, you don't compete. So I had to hand it back at the end of the competition because oh. i didn't compete i was just reserved so yeah reserve i was a reserve team member that's as far as i got well congratulations is... i think that's uh i think that's fantastic and you still coach, you coach a lot of people now then how many how do you how do you, how do you make time how do you make time for it all um yeah that's a good question given the way i'm out on my work as well so i coach yes. currently i currently coach 12 hours a week um starting from next from january i'm gonna i've got to up my hours because one of my coaches has uh, moved on so i'll be doing another another two hours a week so i'll be doing 14 hours a week coaching wow well, and so then a job yeah normal job normal day job i start at 7 30 most mornings well, that's not true i do my yoga first and then i start um and then so I, usually i'm at my desk for about quarter to eight and I go through till, um, so the nights I'm, I'm, I'm coach, I have to finish at half five. So I've got a chance to grab something to eat before I go out because I'm out for three hours. Is that very local to you as well? I'm yeah, I'm 10 minutes from my centre. So we, oh, we, we've got our own place. We've, my, one of my, one of my um, all-time goals was to have my own place, my own wow. club, in my own, in my own locker. Facility, own your own building, yeah. your own facility. Wow. Yeah. We moved in. We moved in August 2019, and then COVID hit. Oh. Um, 
So it's I been I a guess the benefit of that, Tony, is that the, 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 they're up all the time, right? It's they're up all the time. Oh, Everything just... is there. It's and I'm and we're ex we keep expanding. So I've now got nine trampolines permanently up. Wow. I've got a, what we call a double mini tramp. It's another type of trampoline discipline. Um, we've got a tumble track. So we've got tumbling. Um, and this is all happening now in the club because we have our own facility, Tony, because we can, we can offer this. Um, and it's fantastic. And the other thing as well is I, when I do my tutoring for my uh, teaching other people to, to become coaches, um, and I'm, my hours are building up on that at the moment as well. I haven't done any of that for two years because of COVID, but uh, all the way every Sunday in um, uh, January and most of February, I've got courses, which is interesting. Um, so I'll be another eight hours a week. How did you um, how did you get to that place where you could have your own facility? Had you run in a school for so long and you thought I've always yeah we were in a, how did yeah. you find a position? How did you find a facility and things like that? How did so you, the biggest you... problem you have in uh, with trampolining facilities is they need to have the height, so they need to be a minimum of eight meters. Barbington similar and it? yeah, uh, so you're looking at you know distribution warehouses that sort yes. of stuff. Yes, Cambridge doesn't have many at all really really few distribution warehouses um they just don't build them because they can build them in huntington much cheaper the land in cambridge is so expensive yes so we looked around and we looked around we found a place in 2017 um yeah 2017 um uh, but then we couldn't get a deal with them so we kept looking and eventually we found this place literally 10 minutes from where i live in the car um it's right next to a train station so the kids if they're not being driven there by the parents they can hop on the train brilliant yeah. um and yeah we've been in as i say since august 2019 and it's just growing it's, it's and growing been a, it's been a hard it's been a hard time but i guess it's a hard slog but because it's ours we've been able to open and run our own covid rules yeah that's right. uh, where so if you're in a school the school obviously would dictate the covid rule and a lot of a lot of clubs haven't been able to go back. In fact, I know clubs in our region that just haven't. They've just folded because the, the schools and the sports centres just haven't opened, reopened for them. Um, whereas because we've got our own place, we've been able to say, OK, this is the way we have this, we'll operate so is, it. Is this like an industrial place. unit? What is this like? Yeah, an industrial unit. How brilliant is that? Warehousing There's 9,000 square feet. Wow. We've got 6,000 square feet of gym space six and a half thousand square feet of gym space and then we've got some space for the parents to watch which obviously they can't come in at the moment but they will do and then we're just then. doing up another area um again up on a mezzanine level which will be um, a warm-up area and a sort of a gym uh area that we're going to put up there as well well, but greatest respect for that. I think that's absolutely phenomenal. That's my dream to have a facility like that. A friend of mine that opened a facility for Babington, they bought an old school, uh, which had something like four courts in it. And then it's one of those council sales kind of thing. Yeah. He's a, he's a, he's a builder and I think he's extended it to now 
he's got like 16 courts and it's a it's wow Tyneside yeah. badminton center it's just ridiculous it's the dream because everywhere you go you try and find space in halls don't you i mean you've had yeah. years of it right trying to book an hour kind of get a couple of hours how long does it take to set up you go it, even badminton's bad enough you know setting up courts and nets and that kind of thing but trampolining proper takes 20 minutes to get somebody before you can get on court before you can oh get yeah i mean we would, if we were setting up four trampolines yeah you're 20 oh, yeah. minutes in yeah, yeah. yeah. So, yeah. Um, and then you've got to take them down again at the end. So, you know, you're looking at when you want to hire it, you look, you want to hire it a minimum three hours. Otherwise you've got no time. It's amazing. Um, so, you know, it's, it's difficult. It's a, it's a, a, a slog to, you know, we would hire, for example, on a, our local school where we used to be based, we would start at uh, 6.30 Oh, sorry, start at 5.30, set up for 6, go through to 9.30, but obviously you'd not get out till 9, till, sorry, go till 9, but not get out till 9.30, or go to 10 on some nights, not get out till 10.30. And they'll be going, come on, out, out, you got to get out, we're closing the centre, we're closing the centre. And I tell you what, the worst, trying to get the badminton players off. <laughs> yeah, I know, I know, at the end of it, at the end of it, at the end of it, night, not anymore. Oh, oh, absolutely fantastic and have you still got a wife <laughs> yeah, she's got a horse so, i was yeah, gonna say yeah, that, to oh, good 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 hobby good hobby for uh yeah i don't know no, I she's, uh, yeah she's a trampoline widow but i'm a horse widower yeah well that's so, good uh, you'll, you'll take that good so you know, we like, go in different directions yeah. we go we i go off to yeah. the trampoline she goes off to the horse and uh, and then That's nice. we meet we meet in the late evenings <laughs> and to get a day off um i have today yeah. uh but yeah we've stopped we stopped yesterday for uh for the for christmas having said that we've got some holiday sessions going on over christmas which i'm not involved no i'm not doing the holiday yeah. session yeah. Um, so I'll, let, but, I'll let you know with your night. I've, I've kept you on for long enough. I think I've been on for, yeah, I've been on for we've, over an hour. I think we have actually been. Well, no, on, an hour and 20, coming, yeah, an hour and coming, 20. Coming up for an hour proper, I think, actually, in the, yeah, record, in the recording world. So it's been brilliant. Well, thank you. So, I've really enjoyed it. That's my it. pleasure, Martin. I've really enjoyed it, and it's been great to meet you. And I'm I'm fascinated to, to hear, I'll speak to you at work about your well-being program in January. I look forward to that. So Yeah, um, I'll be uh, delivering that. It should be fun. It should yeah, be fun. We'll do All right. Have a nice night and uh, thank you Have again. All the best. Thanks, Tony. All the best. Bye. Thanks. Bye. 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 Bye now. Bye.